I'm talking comics and you bring up chicks and romance? Welcome to Fireside. Welcome to Fireside, where we talking comic books the entire time. Ain't going nowhere, so dry your eyes. Already lasted longer than fireflies. Stay tuned, Mitty's got the grooviest news. From books to TV, the movie reviews. Plus the next toy, baby, here will you choose. Even a superhero fight club will be usually lose. So pop in those earbuds, turn up those speakers. Feel Mama's power, Earth 2 with features. And either listen by weekly or you can binge us. We got it all, baby. Are there ninjas? So relax and lie back as we start another issue of Fireside Chats. Comic facts and wise cracks. Welcome to the show. This is Fireside Chats. Beep you. Beep you. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another issue of Fireside Chats. I'm your host, Menti, and with me is just Bauer. Beep you. <laughs> I just figured I'd throw you off. I figured let's not do the whole thing because we have something very special to get into, and I don't really want to talk to you for very much longer because I want to get into that thing. No, 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 no. I don't want to talk to you. Let's get it right. Well, no, no. It's 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 you know when you look at a six from one Shoosh. angle, it's a nine. We're both we're both right. I don't want to talk to you. You don't want to talk to me. Let's, Somebody's let's always moving. wrong, and it's you right now. What are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? We're actually not going to be talking about much. We're actually going to stop this for a little bit because we got the ultimate opportunity to join uh, Frank Caliendo, uh, John, and Scott over at the Caliendo Cast uh, because they were uh, fortunate enough to bring Todd McFarlane on, and wait, Frank wait, was who? like. You know who Todd McFarlane is. You know who Todd McFarlane is. You all know who Todd McFarlane is. Probably one of the most influential creators of our time. As far as yeah, comics. I would say that. Yeah, I, you know, as far as comics? Even his work on Hulk was amazing. You know, you got Hulk, Spider-Man, Spawn. You know, his well, Batman versus Spawn book. And then go into his toy and collectible line. He has changed everything he has decided to touch. Absolutely. And, and if the Spawn reboot comes out and it's as dark as he says, he's going to change the genre of comic book movies as well. Listen, if there is one person in the world that I'd like to pick their brain on how to become as successful, and he seems to just give this information away willy-nilly. He does. He does. Like, Todd McFarlane is an inspiration for anybody who's ever been told you can't. You want to hear something funny, though? This is probably the first interview in a long time where I was nervous. Like, uh, I've flubbed lines. I've, this will be a very interesting side of me on this one. Uh, but I cannot thank the guys at the Caliendo cast enough for the opportunity to talk to my idol. And I know Mauer's idol. I mean, I, I still remember going to the premiere of spawn. Like, yeah. I remember trading Spawn comics in the back of the uh, the back of the school bus. I mean, I I, I remember collecting all of the uh, that that quintessential uh, Todd McFarlane's uh, Spider Man cover. Remember they did the, all the different variations: the gold, yep. the silver, the standard. Then they had Spawn did the same thing. Uh, they had that same co- like I have the whole array of them because he is he was my childhood. He was my he was my Spider Man. Then fast forward, freaking Venom. You know we know on this show that I'm actually a huge Venom fan and hearing, you know, him talk about Venom and seeing what he's done just in this fact that he didn't want to draw black suited Spider-Man is amazing. So, I mean, this is how cool this episode is. I mean, it's, it's always, it's always a, a treat and a treasure to have Frank join us. Right. So every time Frank Caliendo is on this show, it's always a ride and it's always a blast, but it's not just Frank. (laughs) <laughs> it's Frank, Scott, and John from the Caliendo cast. If you haven't checked that out, definitely go subscribe and listen to them. They're hysterical. But then on top of that, Todd McFarlane, uh, it, was, it got to a point where, I mean, I got a text from Frank going, if you want to talk, you should start talking. <laughs> like, I was, I was so engrossed in their conversation. So check out their uh, first half of the interview where they go into things like Todd McFarlane's sports background, stuff like that. And then we jump on for the second half. So the, we are the second half of a two-parter. So go ahead and jump over to the Caliendo cast and then listen to us. Now, if you have to get a drink or food or unlike Todd, go to the bathroom, you'll hear more about that later. <laughs> Um, go now because he makes Kevin Smith look like he's concise with his answers. Here, here, here's like Mauer. How long is this? Uh, about forty minutes. And we were supposed to have ten. <laughs> we had ten, and he's forty minutes later. We're still. And that's going. where we. I was more nervous. Like, okay, we've got ten minutes. I don't want to overstay my welcome. And Todd just kept talking and talking. So then I'd be like, All right, All right I got you, another question. I'm not going to say anything. And then. Manti would ask a question because I was quiet. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll ask one. And then I'd ask two questions. And it just, Todd is one of the kindest, 
most you know generous people with his time and i will never forget you know in this craziness that's going on right now where we're stuck at home not interacting i had one of the best interactions of my life not only of my fandom but of this show that's what i was just about to say i when, when i look back at the last however many years we've been doing this top three maybe top two possibly the top spot i mean that's how big of a deal this was like I was starstruck looking at my computer and I said, and I said, Todd, and he said, yeah. And I went, oh my God, he heard me. <laughs> yeah. So, and you'll pay attention to this. Um, I don't know if I audibly gasped that when I asked my first question and he starts off, oh, yeah, Steven. And I'm like, oh, Todd McFarland said my name. That dude knows what I look like. <laughs> so without further ado, Fireside would like to present you part two of the Caliendo cast fireside crossover with Todd McFarlane. Uh, I just, can you say that one more time for me? Just cause it gave me chills. The Caliendo cast crossover with fireside presents part two of Todd McFarlane. Uh, that's a ridiculously long name, but I loved every word. So. All right. Well, we're going to bring in Menti and Mauer. These are the fireside guys uh, from the fireside podcast there. They help us out a bunch of times. And uh, they've been uh, little Stevie Maurer. You can figure out which one's that. Stephen Maurer and John Menti. And uh, they help us nerd out at times. They look like dudes. I can see them right now. They look like <laughs> <laughs> well, first, uh, thanks, Frank uh, and John and Scott for having us on. And Todd, this is a huge honor for us. Yeah, it's... Oh, look at, I see off to the side a little, little suck butt, a little suck butt image over there. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, as one of the Kickstarter backers, I appreciate it was one of the most interactive Kickstarters that I've been a part of, seeing your updates and just seeing the enjoyment you were having out of it. Um, but before people were talking about your Kickstarter, your DC toy line has been making all of the fans go crazy. Uh, they're talking about not only the look of them, the feel of them and how they can be posed, but the fact that you didn't go for the same vanilla characters that everybody else has gone for. What was that creative process like for you to go and pick these off-kilter characters to represent the, the holy trilogy of DC? So, Steve, Stephen, um, here's what puts a smile on my face with you saying that, is that first wave that we came up with maybe was a double. Like, I know what we're capable of doing. I know what characters we can do. But we were having sort of a honeymoon period with uh, Warner Brothers and trying to basically let them see what I'm capable of doing and, you know, get in the comfort zone. Because, again, these are billion-dollar properties they're letting me play with. So if, if, you, if you liked even a little bit of what we put out there, shoot, dude. You, just, <laughs> you could see I know what I got coming down the pipeline. And everything that you're saying – I've got coming now in spades, right? It's coming like, and so here it is that there's, they gave a license to two companies, me and then this other company, Spin Master, right? And I just, I, I, let Spin Master do the obvious classic stuff, the stuff that everybody knows should be on the show. Let me do the stuff for the people who've never collect, who, who do collect Superman and Batman and Flash Wonder Woman, but they walk by and they go, oh my gosh, I, I don't have one that looks like that. Right, that's, that's the toys I, that I need to keep making. And I need to make it for two reasons. One, so that I can maybe sell it to you because you may have 25 uh, Batmans. I gotta do a Batman that you, that you go, wow, I don't have that Batman. And we did it, the, 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 in the first wave, we did it with what I'm generically calling Superman in armor and Batman in armor, right? Those two toys, the Superman in armor, let's stay with that one. The Superman in armor had been in four panels, not even one page. It was like one panel here, one panel here. That was it, four panels total. I didn't pick that character and that look because it was famous in the comic books. I picked it because as a guy who's got a pretty good art eye, that, I, that's a cool looking toy, right? So I, I, I asked them whether we could change it a little bit. The guy who actually designed it used to be my partner, Jim Lee, who's a big executive over there. I said, hey, Jim, let me, let me just sort of tweak it. Let me put a Todd tweak on it. And he's like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want. Uh, we put it out there. So people walking by that toy, they weren't buying it because it was famous. They were buying it because they're going, oh my gosh, 
it literally looks like it's bursting out of the package because I, I, I have to keep all my packaging the same at Walmart and Target. And it looks like it's pushing out like a wrestler. <laughs> and then you pick it off, you pick it off the, the uh, peg and it weighs a lot. So this is the chocolate bar stuff, Frank, everybody. This is the three to one chocolate bar. I gave them a lot of plastic. And then they take it home and they open it up and then went, oh yeah, remember the two wings that are folded? You got to put the wings on. So it even gets bigger. You thought it was big at the store? It gets bigger. And now they're going, wow, you're doing that for the same price that I'm getting my other action figures that look like this? Todd, keep, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. So, yeah, be, gonna, you, you could go to Walmart and buy what everybody else is making. Or, or. <laughs> and the paint apps on your figures are phenomenal. Uh, I, we've got the whole wave here at Fireside Studio. So, and this exact thing. First thing we said was, "You this are thing. the sickest brown noser I have ever." Go ahead, go ahead. You okay? Look at, look at. I'm, I'm going to give everybody a tip out there. Any artist out there, you never, you never want to emulate like Norman Rockwell. Let's just to say you're a painter. You never want to emulate Norman Rockwell. Because the best that you can ever hope for, even if you become better than him, is they're going to say, oh, you're better than Norman, or you're not quite as good as Norman. You're never going to get Norman off you, right? You just have to artistically at times just go and do your own thing. And I understand that sometimes it fails, but sometimes it works. And all of a sudden, you get a lot of cred for basically doing 5% different, 5 percent there i'm not doing anything unique i've never done anything original in my life you just add the sexy i keep saying the sexy is what it does so take a look at anything that's in your house and go how can you make that 10 percent better i'm telling you everybody listening it's a million dollar idea right because i i like i keep using steve jobs steve jobs came on stage one time 10 years ago he walked up on stage and he goes Apple's going to make phones, cell phones, and everybody in the crowd went, oh, Steve, they've been around quite some time. No, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Mine plays music. Uh, so do the other ones, Steve. Uh, they text and they email. No, all of them too, Steve. Uh, you, can, you can watch stuff on it. No, all of them. Uh, and he went through the whole litany. And they, they, Steve, everybody does what you're doing. And then the moment, the moment to put Apple on the map with the iPhone. He said, yes, but I've got one last thing. When you text your mama and you say, mom, watch this. Instead of hitting plastic buttons, M-O-M, you hit glass, M-O-M. <laughs> oh my God, he touched glass, not plastic. When he touched the M-O-M, when he touched the M-O-M, it was glass, not plastic. It did the exact same thing that every phone did. He just sexed it up you just sexed it up that's all i do that's all i do do you, you know think what? about making action figures in glass then <laughs> <laughs> right well my sexy is different if they put <laughs> no. if they put 20 paint operations i put 120 that's my sexy right and they're like but you're oh, doing the same you're doing the same thing steve jobs talked about though i read his book it's one of the few books i had read before meeting harlan coben is <laughs> the packaging means something Yep. The uh, the detail, care about your product, uh, show the show the audience or the consumer that you care as much as they do, if not more, and they will respect that and respond to that. And it's, I mean, that's uh, if there's anything I'm learning here. And you have the other Steve Jobs thing that I've heard that's very similar is, he would make people just say yes whenever you know, say yes, yes, even if you can't do it. Yes, and make it happen. Make it yeah. happen. Well, well I, I, I look at I, I run in it with my own employees. You know, like, what's well, all we can't, we can't. We got to look at it. No, I understand. I'm, but now I'm going to give you 10 minutes of why we can't. I need an hour of, if we could, what would that look like? So if I said, I want to land a helicopter on top of this building where I'm working, how would that work? I know we can't. But if we could, how would it work? First, you'd have to find out how many helicopter companies. Is there a pilot? What days can he go? What's the cost? Can I land? Does, is there a bearing? Will the roof bear the weight of it? Can I get the permits? What's the weather going to be like on the day I want to do it? All of those would have to be if we could do it. Why do we talk ourselves out of the other one? We give up so easily on the other one, right? Like, come on. I get it. It's not likely that you're going to make a half-court shot with two seconds left. But every now and then it goes in. You know, all the talk of sexy and X-rated, R-rated stuff, there's a billion dollar 
industry out there nobody's ever made action figures for that yeah. would have <laughs> to me very greatly. And I don't know what, maybe I should take over the top of the would work. Porn. It would work. It, <laughs> it would work. work. Yeah. Really I'll, 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 I'll digress a little bit about, about porn toys here for a minute. Um, <laughs> I was making a NASCAR uh, figures. And one of the things I did was I took all the NASCAR guys and they came in when we were here in Phoenix, because we have a couple races. And I brought them into this big uh, van that I had. And we had a scanner that literally comes down and it scans your head and all of a sudden there's a wireframe of your look. So I would, I would basically get the back of their head because nothing ever changes, no matter what your emotion is from the ears back, it doesn't change. Uh, and then I would just get the front of them. So I'd say, okay, give me calm, give me happy, give me mad, give me anger, give me, now give me, give me like you just won the Daytona 500. And some of them had won it, so, or they won other races, so I had pictures, because I go, and let me tell you, you can't get your mouth big enough. You think you're gonna, you're gonna be overacting, you can't. Think about like you're at the dentist and they're trying to get to your molars. You gotta go there. Most of them were pretty good, but I remember Ryan Newman came in and he went like this. <laughs> I went, Ryan, come on, you can do better than that. And he's like, and his, girl, his girlfriend was there and she goes, Oh, for the love of God, Ryan, you look like one of those blow-up doll girls. <laughs> like, come on, you like mouth is like all round. I'm doing the best I can. And she goes, open it up. It looks like a sex toy. Come on, open it up. And you go, oh, come on, open it up. And they're having a whole thing. But eventually, I got a pretty good, I got a pretty good toy out of them. So. <laughs> I you got a pretty good toy out of them. Yeah. So you just oh take God. it. You take it whenever you can. You take it whenever you can. So. I mean, I hate to switch gears, but uh, do, do, uh, could we go into the Spawn animated series for just a quick second? Uh, oh, more, not just NASCAR stories. I'm good enough for you today. How, <laughs> <laughs> John? I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We were uh, but you really did shift gears. NASCAR and shift gears. Yeah, there it is. There it is. But it's not really in the HBO animated series I, I, I wanted to talk about. I was uh, so intrigued to find out that there's a new animated Spawn project that's coinciding with the movie. Uh, and I just found out about this. I was wondering if could we go into uh, a little back and forth on that? What do, what do you think the, like compared to the original animated series, is this something that's a continuation or is this something brand new? What is that gonna look like? Uh, so, so it's not official. What happened was years after the HBO came, we, we started another project and we, we got pretty far along the line. So again, I've got all the design, I've got all the characters that have been uh, the, the uh, voice the voices uh, take for it. Um, we're just one step from basically just doing the cell animation on it. But technology has changed now in the last 15, 20 years, right? So what you can do in animation today wasn't available to us when we were doing it in the, in the late 90s, uh, when we were doing it on HBO. So looks wise, I wouldn't want to repeat it. Uh, I'd, I'd want to do sort of an upgrade of what it would look like. And, and it, it's not a continuation of a story. I'm acknowledging that time is, has uh, passed by. So it's just, you know, last time there was a movie and there was animation, why, why can't we do it again, right? Now, maybe not. Maybe the people who, who put the money in for the movie will say, Todd, we, we want to spin it off into a live action TV show. We don't want to do the animation. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure all that out. But I've got it all. It's in my possession. It's all just sitting here teed up, ready to go when, when the day comes. So, so we put, go ahead. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> that's what I was getting to. <laughs> all, dude, there's always a chance. There's all, and here's the thing that's, here's the thing. Let, let me just, let me just say this out loud because sometimes people don't do the same math that I do, right? You, you, you don't go to work till you're like you're 20, right? Cause you gotta go to school and sort of get an education, all that other stuff. So I'm in my 50s now. I'm going, okay, 20, okay, 35 years, 30, 35. I plan on living to be 100, right? So I still got 40 plus years on my cap, which basically means that I'm not even at the halfway point, right? So it's interesting. I do some interviews and people go, oh, you had such a great career, great career. In my mind, I'm, I'm not even halfway there. So if you guys think that what I did 35 years is good, shoot, you could see what I think I can get out in the next 35 years. It's in my brain. So. I, like I'm, I'm, if they go, when are you gonna write your memoir? I'm like, I'm, I'm not done yet. I'm like, I'm like, I'm only halfway through the race. Let me finish the race, and then I'll worry about talking about it. And but look at anybody that does a lot of interviews, you do it, Frank. 
at the end of the day, the person that is the most boring to us is ourselves, right? Like nobody dislikes Todd more than me, right? Every story that I told you, I already knew what the punchline was. I, I already knew it. There's nothing interesting about anything I just said. I've already heard them all before. So it's like, it's, it's weird that people want you to like analyze yourself, right? Like some kind of psychologist, like, why are you so determined? Why? And you, you just do. Everybody just lives their life. And, and we rarely look back, right? That's not like you, when you're running a race, always look forward because you turn your shoulder, man, somebody's going to come up on the other side and they're going to beat you. So I don't know. Yesterday's yesterday. I'm always thinking about tomorrow. Those are my best days, right? So ask me about after I'm done directing the movie, whether I want to become a director. I'm not going to know. So I've got the data. I'm either going to go, wow, that was kind of cool. Or I'm going to go, eh, wasn't as much fun as I thought. Or it's like, yeah, if, but if I could do this and this and this, then I would do it again. I don't know. So, but if you ask me, are you, are you scared that you, you've never, are you intimidated you've never done a full-length movie before? No. Should you be? Of course I should. But, but this is that wiring, like I said, the, 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 the fearless part. That's like, I know that I'm smart enough like Phil Jackson to put enough good bowls on the court so I'll never have to shoot a basket and I'll still wear six rings just like him, right? So he never, he never got sweaty. He never made a bucket. He got six rings out of it. He's just smart enough to put the people around him. I, I'm getting old enough now to, to, I think I'm a good scout. I can find good talent and then they make me look good and then I just like the Queen of England. I come out and I just come out of my... So I wave and then people go, I don't even know what he does. What does he do? I don't know. He gets a lot of credit. And if you can get that gig, if you can be the queen, and if you can be the queen of anything, take the gig. It's a good gig. <laughs> do you guys so, have anything else? Yeah. yeah what, so, oh, whatever, happened chime to in. The, whatever happened to the, um, the Spider-Man 300 artwork that you found in your closet? Did you hang that up or whatever happened with that? Uh, uh, what, what are you talking about specifically? You, you uh, recently posted that you were doing some uh, cleaning around the house and all of a sudden you came oh, yeah. across uh, a page, an original artwork page of, uh, from issue 300 to Spider-Man. Did whatever happened to that? What do you mean? It's right here. Did you, oh, that's what I'm asking my guest. Did you hang it up? Like, what else is in your closet? <laughs> uh, can you guys wait a second? I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> he did is that he like the flash. Platform, or is he actually half computer? I don't think he's all man. I think there's definitely some sort of program <laughs> being run right now. Yeah. I, <laughs> what was that horror movie, High Voltage? Uh, yeah, I was thinking more Westworld. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I do? Can I do cute stuff? Yeah. Hey, look at I can do cute stuff here. Look at so we can do it. Look at it. Here's one here. It's not. This is from the Spider-Man. This is double page spread though. That's cool. Wow. That's a big, that's a big boy one. And the thing is, here's the thing that's weird. I don't sell my artwork. I haven't sold any artwork since uh, 1991, right? I haven't sold any artwork. So everybody's scrumming over the same pages. So every now and then, one will go in auction. Somebody, I used to sell my pages. Actually, I didn't sell them. I traded my pages for like hockey cards and baseball cards. And if I thought I got like 800 to $1,000 of cards, I thought I was fleecing somebody. So there was one guy that had a store and I used to give him a bunch of covers and I'd get the hockey cards and baseball cards. And then people would send me links on eBay going, Todd, you see your Spider-Man covers going for 150,000 or something. I'm like, wow. So I remember phoning this guy, I gave all those covers to. And I said, man, you see these prices? Too bad you, you don't have any of those covers. And he went, I've got all of them. He's got 30 of my covers. He put two of them in an auction. He, and the most that anybody ever paid for a piece of artwork was 440000 Frank Miller uh, piece of artwork from uh, Dark Knight. And, and he put it, he had the cover to Spider-Man 1. I thought maybe it might break the record. Tapped out, tapped out at about 390000 And I'm like, oh, darn it. But whoever came in second, I know what this is like because I paid a lot for a baseball a few years back. The second place guy said, I'm not going home. And so he put up the last Amazing Spider-Man cover. And he got 660. So he got two pages, got a million bucks. And so the headline comes out. My daughter comes running downstairs going, oh, my gosh, Dad, I just saw this headline, a million bucks. Oh, my God, I can go to college. I can go to college with my children. And my wife said, uh, let's just stop there for a minute. Uh, ask your father a few questions, follow up. One, does, did he own the artwork? If he didn't, 
what did he trade it for or sell it for? If he did trade it, did he even own those cards? And if he does, and by the end of it, my daughter thought I was the dumbest guy on the planet. Right? <laughs> it was like, well, I still got, I still got that card to Phil Esposito, um, but that that wasn't going to hold for her. So normally, what ends up happening is the title says, "Painting goes for a million bucks, artist dies penniless under a bridge." That's sort of normal. Since 1992, I haven't sold one single page. I own every page of Spawn. Nobody owns a Todd McFarlane Spawn page. I own every page of it. So, so these guys are jacking up the price. Shoot, I got my retirement sitting there. But anyway, <laughs> I, got, I got. Let me see what else in my. This is. I got ten boxes. This is a game boxes. show. This is what's yeah. Todd McFarlane's <laughs> closet. There we go. There. I think we used to do. Hold on, I'm hosting it as Jeff Goldblum. Ah, yes, yes, yes. What could be uh, in Todd's closet? Could, is there a uh, Spider-Man spaghetti webs? Uh, when I was 16. It's when I was 16, trying to break in right there. 16. Ah, yes. I can't tell you. Yes. I feel like Todd is going through his house for the first time in years. Spider-Man 315. No, I didn't keep a lot of Spider-Man. I sold a lot of spider Look at this. First Spider-Man I ever drew as a kid when I was 16, right there. Oh, oh wow. Wow. So, so people go, you still have that? And I'm like, who do you give your amateur 15-year-old stuff to? What are you talking about? <laughs> nobody, nobody takes your crappiest stuff other than your I mom. will. I got no problem I'll with it. I'll take, I'll take all that stuff. You want to <laughs> I'll take two. Kickstarter. <laughs> There's so my, my, first color, my first color scheme of Spawn when I was... When I was 16, oh, wow. I got to draw on a spawn when I was 16. I invented him in high school. So, <laughs> oh, this, one, this one's good, too. I did an issue of uh, G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, when I was Canadian. I thought it was sort of uh, ironic that they were letting a Canadian do the Real American Hero. But uh, it's the only job that I did where they fired me. So I got a page, and they fired me off the book because they said that I wasn't a good enough artist, even though I was doing Hulk and whatever. And then when I blew up on Spider-Man, all of a sudden they decided they were going to print those pages because all of a sudden it was okay. So, yeah, hey, hey, look at it. We're going to come full circle on this one. What's this from? Issue 300. <laughs> Venom. Venom right there. <laughs> right there. Can you imagine then, how hard it would be to help Todd move? Look at that. Look at that. I used, to, I used to put the price on the back. You could have had it for 90 bucks. <laughs> Oh, no. Todd, we got to put this in the box. No, no, you're not going to believe what this is. <laughs> Unbelievable. This whole garage is filled. I'm going to explain every one of them. The Todd, I went to U-Haul. We got to get the U-Haul back by noon. Look at that. Phoenix, Arizona. There's my, I have to do a Spidey drawing for Phoenix, Arizona. Look at that. Anyways, I got Oh, that's I, awesome. My, my, I, my wife calls it my crap. When are you gonna When are you gonna clean up this crap, right? So yeah, I'll, that crap could go for auction and go crazy. That's some good crap. <laughs> so Todd, right now we have no paper. The comic industry is shut down. Yeah. We talk about it on the show a lot. With the movies and the TV shows being as successful as they are, do you think the paper comic industry and those stories need to stay around for the industry to move forward? Uh, yes, and they will, right? So the, the mechanism, so let's talk comic books are words and pictures, stationary pictures. Um, novels are words and movie, TV, those are, those are that's moving pictures. Uh, all, all of those mediums are going to stick around. It just depends where we get them and what, and what delivery mechanism, right? So comic books will be around forever. The question is, are they going to be downloads or are they going to be on the side of blimps? I don't care. I never, I never get married to a system that's delivering it. You always let the consumer tell you how it works. Uh, and then you just basically go there and try to do the best job you can. So if coming out of the pandemic, there's a shift in the model of how people consume their leisure time and, and their entertainment, I, 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 I'm not big enough that I can resist it. My job is to basically go and attach myself to it and then try and make what I'm doing as entertaining as possible so people will give me a few minutes of their time. So There, there is a pretty interesting shift happening right now with, with Diamond. Since Diamond's about to open back up, Diamond Distribution's... Um, for they, so the Diamond is the, is the distribution center we talked about that shut down so there's no books coming, right? 
Well, since they're about to open back up, a lot of the companies are trying to figure out new models. And I know DC is uh, one of the companies that's going with um, more uh, like non-traditional distribution channels. Uh, they're doing yeah. more regional stuff. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Because that's definitely breaking the mold since Diamond's had a, had a, a I mean, they've owned so much distribution through comics for so long. So it's interesting to, you know, being the president of the third largest comic company, I, you know, I, I know enough people. And depending on who you're talking to, everybody thinks that their piece of this equation is more important than everybody else's. I think we're all equal. I, and, I, and I think the four components are the fans. Matter of fact, if I have to rank them, fans number one. Uh, and then the other three components is the stores and the delivery mechanism. The creators, which is, which is us, because if there's no comic books, we're going to go and drift and we're going to do video games and we're going to do storyboards. We're going to go someplace else and take our art someplace else. And then, and then even the corporations, because you have to have Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman around. You have to have the big, the big you know, sort of triple A brand names that are out there. So to me, there's, there's this dance in which we all need each other. We all, we all have to basically respect everybody's sort of wants and needs. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to open up the industry, like you said, on the 20th. Here's the moment. Every store gets to reorder all the books that were coming through the pipeline. And we are going to get, we're going to get, I think, a shock number. We're going to get a shock number. I already know stores have gone out of business. And then those that are still in business, some of them are wobbling, so they're not going to buy excess inventory. So before, when they had some books, maybe some event books, and they were, they were speculating and they were buying more, I think at least for the near future, that's going to go away. They're going to get really tight with it. And we may see that the new norm is half the, the number of sales that we all were used to. Now, what does that do? That then means I think there's going to be a drought in creator-owned books because people who are saying, oh, my gosh, I couldn't make money when it was the good times. I now have to do it uh, at half the money. I'm not going to do it. And then Marvel and DC are going to not pay money because they're going to have to cancel a bunch of their books because they're not going to make money. And the books that are left are going to have to cut the page rates. So we're going to lose skill. And all of a sudden, I think some of the quality is going to go down. And we better be very careful about worrying about profits uh, before we basically make sure that we're doing good. I keep saying, I think all of us, all the big companies should throw in a couple books for free for a couple months, just to say thank you for basically giving us a 20 year career and, and not having to try and milk this machine that basically is like a lot of industries that is wobbling. It's wobbling right now. Well, another thank you that, that you threw out online is that you were willing to do a uh, Spider-Man spawn crossover to kind of help the industry along to get through this. Have you heard from anybody from Marvel since then? Uh, yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? They're always, I got to plug in because I'm going to go dead here. Um, yeah. Um, look, I left in 1992 and I'm the only one of my partners or seven of us that left. I'm the only one that hasn't done one page for Marvel or DC. I'm, I, 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 I'm militant. You guys may not have sort of gathered that with my attitude, like power to the people. I was like Norma Ray. I tried to start a union when I was at Marvel and I couldn't get people to do it. So we sort of did our own mini union when we started Image Comics. People go, you ever going to do Spider-Man? No. You ever get, no. And, and they'll go, why you don't like it? I'll tell you why I'm never going to do Spider-Man again. Cause it's in my past. Right. And so I treat it like I've said to people, I treat it like high school. I like high school. I got lots of friends, got lots of memories, but it's in my past. Don't plan on going to high school again either, right? It's, it's just a fond memory. That's okay. It doesn't mean I hate Marvel. I'm just not going to draw for Marvel again. Um, but if I ever did, if I ever did go and draw one page, it would have to certainly come attached with Spawn, which is my guy. So why? Because then I would split the profits right down the middle and I go, shoot. I get to attach my guy to these billion dollar properties, right? Cool, man. This is good, right? So, hey, that's one of my partners at Image, Mark Sylvester, but I'm going to hang up on him. It's got to be way more important. But I didn't know, know the button here. <laughs> Todd, uh, Frank kicked off the show talking about your positive attitude, and we got to see your panel at New York Comic Con a couple years ago. And I'd say the first third, if not half of it, was more of a motivational speech about celebrating little successes and little yeses throughout your day to get momentum. 
Has that become harder the more successful you've gotten to keep focused on those little moments throughout the day? Not me. Not me. My frustration is why doesn't everybody else do it, right? But this is the personality, right? I, I mean, I'm not saying this humbly. I'm saying this realistically. Why am I still as relevant today as an old man? I shouldn't be. When I broke into the industry, the guys that were relevant were 10 years older than us. They weren't 30 years older than us, right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. The 24-year-old Todd, I would never have let a 50-year-old man beat me just out of spite, right? And so when, I, when I'm talking to the kids, they'll go, come on, you're, you draw better than me. You're way, you know, you're way more intelligent than me, it, but you, you're so concerned about going to conventions and doing con sketches because it's easy money, um, but you're not doing any comic books. You're not building a reputation of being, oh, you're the Iron Man guy, or you're the Catwoman guy, or you're the, you know, the, the Spider Woman gal, or what, I don't care. Like do a little bit of a body of work. And if you do the body of work, you can, you can use that for a long, long, long time. Ask Mark Fidrich before he died. Shoot, he, he got to use that gig for a long time. He was the bird for a long time. So plant your, plant your, your mile marker and then go, and then go. And, and what's the worst that happens? You try and it doesn't work and you go back and you do convention sketches. And now, I used to give that lecture to, the, to a lot of the young pros, and now there's no convention. And I'm telling you, I think it's going to be one of the last, I think it's going to be one of the last things that comes back. I think conventions is going to be one of the last things to come back. Because if you go to San Diego convention, you guys know, right? You walk by a thousand people to get a hundred feet, right? People aren't going to be comfortable for that for a long, long, long time. So, I, I, so here's, where, here's where I'm at now, Steve. I now, I used to give like the motivational speech. I'm, exa I'm exhausted, I'm exhausted. So I cut it in half and it goes something like this. The first half is the motivation. Here's why you should do it. Here's the reasons why. Oh, by the way, Marvel and DC are owned by Disney and Warner Brothers. So they've now essentially Universal, Sony, uh, uh, Fox Studios, uh, Lionsgate and uh, Paramount. They, they can't get Marvel or DC. So they're looking for other products. We, at our company, we have 23 of our comic books that have been optioned or made into something in Hollywood. I'd go and do it if it was me because there's a big opening to all these other billion dollar industries. And then I just go, why not you? Why not you? Why can't you be up on the stage five years from now? And then I stop. And then I go to the other side of the stage and then I go, now I'm going to talk to you as Todd, the CEO. I hope the hell you don't do it. I hope you don't do it. Why? Because I'll never have to compete against you. And you're going to make it easy. And you're going to give me a good long career. And even though you're better and faster and stronger, I'm never going to have to prove that I got to go harder because I'm never going to be in competition with you. Do me a favor, talk yourself out of it. I think he got too far from the router. <laughs> <laughs> He's that fast. He can actually outrun his own picture. <laughs> I think that's the screenshot to grab. Yeah, that's a, we got it. He'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one more quick question each, and then we'll get we'll get out, guys. If 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 we can find them. Well, Mauer, do you uh, bring up do another toy one? All right. The the funny thing is, as uh, oh there, there he is. is, there he is. Hey, router time. <laughs> How do you have the worst internet of all? Yeah. <laughs> my plug. So I'm going back and forth. I'm doing zigzag. This is zigzag. I'm getting actually. I think I've lost three pounds on this interview so far. <laughs> Go inside the closet. Yeah. <laughs> oh shoot! You don't even want to see that. I got. No, it. we do. We do. You know what? I would have loved it if he was up on the roof going, "Okay, guys, I found a way on the roof." It's gonna be <laughs> I got the helicopter coming in. You some my There's my car clock. Holy wow! Oh, just massive. So I got wow. lots. Shoot, I got lots of stuff. <laughs> like I said, it's the, crap, it's the crap my wife said. For a guy who's so specific when you draw and create, oh, I got lots of stuff. So, Todd, you have created some of Collector's favorite toys. You changed the industry with your paint applications and the details and the accessories. Um, growing up, what was your favorite toys? that kind of made that spark other than the jello tyrannosaurus rex um so so okay depends on your age here 
I'm old enough that I was there at the beginning and I was in California, uh, the beginning of Hot Wheels, right? So like when it came out in 69, we were, we were right there. We lived in Orange County, uh, uh, Snake and the Mongoose. They, they got the Hot Wheels logo on the side of their funny cars and their dragsters. We used to go to Orange County International Raceway, which I think is a Dutch Bros uh, or something. <laughs> like that. Um, and uh, and we used to go down there and it'd be like, oh my God, I got the Hot Wheel and there's the guy and it's super cool. Uh, they used to have, you know, like Barbie's obviously um, uh, very popular and they used to have G.I. Joe, because remember G.I. Joe, well, you don't know, but some of the older guys, G.I. Joe used to be bigger with the Kung Fu grip. He was bigger, but there, I didn't, I didn't even have that one because it was too military for me. I, I had the Captain Action and Captain Action, if any of you guys remember, you could buy the uniform, but you could buy Spider-Man and Superman and Batman and Flash Gordon and all these, you know, the Phantom, all these characters and you could dress them up just like the girls were doing with the Barbie dolls. I was dressing them up in the superheroes and it was super cool. And that was, and the bad guy was called Dr. Evil. And he was blue and he had his brain showing. It was super cool. And you could put this mask on him. And nobody knew that it was Dr. Evil, even though he had blue ears, blue arms, and blue feet because he was wearing sandals and a blue neck. All he needed was that flat face. Tricked everybody, I guess. So, I, yeah. I, 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 if you want, I'll go get them. I still got them in my, my drawer. I'll go get those too. So. You don't get rid of anything. Uh, yeah, you know, some people call it like a collection. Other people call it hoarding. So it just, <laughs> there's a fine line, like I said, there's a fine line between being determined and delusional. So even, even you know, when people hear like, oh my gosh, you got 300 rejections and you kept, you kept going. At some point, you have to say, when, when are they right? When are they right? right? So, and in hindsight, they were right all 300 times because when I looked at what I was sending them, it wasn't of professional quality. But... If I say I'm going to become an opera singer, at what point do you do you say it's 44 years and you've never gotten an opera gig? At what point do you give up the dream, right? So I don't know. You, you have to have some people around you that are a little more sane than you to say it, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. All right, Menti, one more because I got to pee. I've had to pee for about <laughs> Oh, Frank, Frank, let me just tell you one thing. I'm going to tell you one thing. One of the reasons for some of my fame is because I've got like a camel bladder, right? <laughs> I can literally go for days. So what ends up happening is that everybody else has to go and get stuff like food and they have to pee and they have to drink. I don't do any of that when I'm at a convention. And then they end up leaving. And sometimes they go for a long time because they take like a 45 minute break or whatever, an hour, two hour break, or they booze too much at night when it's a multiple day convention, they come back. And so I'm always there at the beginning and I'm there the whole time, and I never leave. Because what are you going to do? I'm going to stop a kid who's eight years old and say, I'm going to go take a two-hour lunch. And so what ends up happening is all the celebrities around me leave. And so guess what their fans do in the meantime? <laughs> they go, I don't know who this guy is. But, and, his, and his signature is free. And so they get in line. I've got this long lineup for the other celebrities that are charging. And they're always like, who is that guy? And it's like, I should have the sign. It's like, I'm the guy who's fucking free. That's who it is. Care. <laughs> People like the grocery store. When somebody's saying, hey, you want to try this sample? If it's free, you'll eat liver. What are you talking about? Of course you'll take some. So I just sat there. And, and then if you're nice to them, they'll remember you. So I've stolen many, many because I've got a great bladder. One more thing, and then I'll let you go. <laughs> Here in Phoenix, too, just the art of the war. I used to get people when I was negotiating and I go, you come to my house. I'm not coming to your place. And they would come to my house in this place where we're at right now. And you know, we're cockroaches here in Arizona. We've adjusted. And they would come in always wearing a three piece suit, the lawyers. And I bring them into my room and I, and I got my tables in front of the window and I make sure that the sun's in their eyes and I turn the temperature down in my room. So they get really, they get really hot, <laughs> really hot. Then I have a pitcher of water. And before they sit down, before we even start, I only make one, one request. We don't leave this room till, till we're finished with this negotiation. And we'll go and we'll go and I can go forever. And eventually somebody <laughs> just said, fine. You know how many times I heard this? Fine, we'll give you 0.4 and 0.5. Uh, are, we, are we done? Are we done? And I'm like, yeah, that does it. Where's your bathroom? 
Like immediately, <laughs> where's the bathroom? Which means that I won because of their weak bladder. Shame <laughs> on them. them. <laughs> Menti, did We're you have creating. one last question? I can ask one last one. Um, so not too long ago in an interview, you were talking about Spawn uh, Lego and somebody asked you about it and you said uh, that you don't think that they would want to sell pit of hell toys to six-year-olds and that a lot of companies need to do their homework about Spawn subject matter, which I thought was a phenomenal answer, but it begs the question, what examples or what story comes to mind where that's actually happened? Like what company came to you trying to partner up with Spawn that you were like, wait a second, hold on, this is uh, probably not a good match. Oh, it, it happened a lot at the beginning with Spawn number one, because people, it went to the top of the charts, right? When we broke away, we started Image Comics, Spawn came out, set the record for, and went to the top of the charts without selling every comic book. So as you can imagine, people, you know, are walking around saying, hey, we need to go brand our stuff. They look at it and they made this really easy assumption. Oh my gosh, it's selling more than Spider-Man and Batman and the X-Men. It must be more popular. So I had people, no lie, coming that wanted to put it on like toothpaste, pajamas, <laughs> and pillowcases. And, and, and I went, well, you want to put it on pajamas? Like what else? And then they show me what else they do. And they got like Barney and they've got like the Teletubbies. And I'm like, no. I go, so here's a couple of issues. You go home, you read a couple issues. Give me a call if you're still interested. Never heard from about seven or eight of those people. <laughs> no, no, no. Todd, this will go great with our Pulp Fiction pacifiers. <laughs> that, well, there was no internet back then, so those things didn't exist, sadly. So now with the internet, anything is possible. Come on, it's a great equalizer. So, I think I, I just invented porn jammas, by the way, during that time. <laughs> <laughs> this guy amazes me. How many times I've like, been on this show? Everything is like porn hyphen and then just fill up the blank. Right, so. I, I, I have my own little kind of nerd way to go away. <laughs> this is the, this is the third time and John has brought up porn three yeah. times since I've been oh, no. on this show. <laughs> that's that's alone. Here's what I'm doing. I'm doing porn bird window kill combo. I'm doing those two for him. That's a home run for him today. That bird is right there. I'd show it to you, but the dog, it's not pretty. And I want to get, I, I don't know if we can, but I, uh, you gave us some, uh, you know, uh, what a prototype toys before. I'll do, uh, I don't, I'll try and talk John into it too. We'll do some free, uh, we'll do voice some commercials, fake commercials for you doing uh, different characters uh, for some of your DC stuff. Oh. Jeff Goldblum is Batman. Hi, yes, I'm the Dark Knight. Very good. Stuff you could never get away with, you get sued, but we're right. playing with stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then you can then you can go look at the detail of my belt. Nobody's ever given me this, nobody's ever given me this kind of detail before. <laughs> look at look at look at ah look at this. I uh, bet you didn't know I was wearing my uh, super uh, bat thermal underwear. <laughs> By the way, that's turning into Adam West, which John does. John, give me a little Adam for. I was watching the entire interview in my porn jammas, friend, and I do believe <laughs> I have broken through the outside of them because my bladder is not as strong as Todd's. It's definitely much weaker. And to the bat he, bathroom. No, as he stands up, greetings, chum. Oh, hey, I'm gonna let you go with one. I'm gonna let you go with one story. Why my I got such a good bladder? Uh, I my my dad said, son. I know you're, you're into comic books. The greatest gift my mom and dad ever gave me when I said I wanted to draw, they gave me a drawing table. They, they don't know how much that mattered. I used that table literally up until a few years ago. I drew every page of my life on that table. Show it to It's got to be in that house. <laughs> yeah. Well, but inst instead of a parent saying, hey, you should become an accountant, like why you want to be an artist? You know, it, it's like saying I want to be a ball player and they bought me a glove or something, right? I mean, it was it was the best gift they could have given me and they, they didn't know how meaningful it was. But anyways, my dad says, hey, there's this thing called San Diego Con. It was still a fraction and wasn't even at the convention center. But he goes, I'll drive you down to San Diego from Canada. Like, what are you talking about? So I go, okay. And every night I'd get woken up with my dad. I was sharing the room and he'd get up and he'd like, and he'd go and he'd flush the toilet and he'd come back to bed. I'd go back to sleep two hours later. I go, what are you doing? I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Third time, it's like five in the morning. He's sitting at the edge of the bed. I guess he'd pissed. I, I, I slept through it. 
and he's eating, <laughs> he's eating his nacho chips. And my dad, what are you doing in his speedo eating nacho chips at the edge of the bed, waking me up for the third time? And it, and I vowed on that day that I would never. I will train. I will do Kegel exercises. I'll do anything I have to to never do it. And then I was out camping. I was out camping with guys like you, and I was telling them this story, and all of them were like, "Yeah." So what's the point of the story, Todd? And I went, "Oh, you guys too." up in the middle of the night and that was it and i vowed and now i can go like two days i like forget getting up in the middle of the night i can go two days because just i'm just i've made a pact in my life that i will not wake up and eat taco chips at five in the morning because i can't go back to sleep ever and keep my son awake like my dad did loved them to death still love them but i just it was a horror story so that's it so there are just moments that sometimes <laughs> your parents, your parents have, have like these moments on you that are actually valuable. Yeah. He's Todd the chief David Blaine of holding his bladder. He's like, <laughs> like he'll be out. He'll, you should be in the middle of Manhattan in a like a in a glass uh, thing, <laughs> and you're holding your bladder. People are drinking by you. They're spraying, and you're like. Ah, like Spawn, you're looking at him. I love this. this but people crazy. are watching and going, oh my gosh, Todd. Oh my gosh, Todd. <laughs> a couple months ago, I was in Florida. I was doing a signing for CGC. This is a company that grades book. You know, you guys ever seen the books where they grade it and they give a, a thing on it? And I told them, hey, I don't go to the bathroom. I don't eat whatever else. I, and because they had so many books, I had to put in like, I go, I, I'm, we're putting in a long day. I was getting there at seven, starting to sign at seven in the morning and signed all the way to midnight for five days in a row so I could get through the pile as fast as I could. And I never left the table. And they had to come in shifts, right? At first they thought it was a joke. And then they're like, oh my gosh, like I got to go to the bathroom. And it's like, well, you better get somebody else in here to take your spot because I'm not stopping, right? And then, and then they figured it out that they had to have shifts of people for potty breaks and for eating and for drinking. And I just went like 17 hours nonstop. And they're like, I don't, it doesn't make any sense, Todd. It doesn't make any sense. But anyways. I have the ultimate show. When we can get back in the studio, I'm going to make Todd come over here. <laughs> and we can be around together. And Lovitz and Todd McFarland together would be the greatest <laughs> show of all time. John Lovitz was fantastic with us, too. But it was crazy because Lovitz... He, <laughs> Lovitz was different because Lovitz, we kept going, okay, we probably have to get, you probably have to go, right, John? No, I don't want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Jealous? There it is. Thanks, Appreciate boys. it, Todd. All right, be good. Take care, Todd. See you, boys. All right, guys. Oh, that was so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> and thanks, everybody, for having us on again. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You. We'll talk to you. All right, later. Yeah.